Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So the Bucks are just a little more than $3 million under the salary cap. That's the least amount in the NFL. Today at noon, teams can begin negotiating with free agents and they can start signing them to contracts at 4 p.m. Wednesday. So what will happen to Quan Alexander or Adam Humphreys, and which players could still be cut to create more cap space? It may surprise you. The Lightning clinched a playoff spot on Friday when Montreal lost. Then they went out and beat Detroit 3-2 on Saturday. Nikita Kucherov with two goals and breaks a franchise single-season scoring record held by Vinny LeCavier. We'll tell you what he had to say about it. And what was the Cy Young performance by Blake Snell worth to the Rays? Well, when you see how little bonus he got for it, you'll understand why Snell might be upset. We've got all that and the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg as well on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you got a business and you'd like to advertise with us, our sponsors have seen great results with our listeners, and we'd love to have you as part of our team. So we've got lots of different ways that you can now uh, become a sponsor, uh, and uh, for more information, just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Okay, so Steve, today at noon is what we call the legal tampering period, of course, as opposed to the illegal tampering period, which agents and teams frequently did before the start of free agency, but for the next two days at least, uh, until we get to the 13th at 4 p.m. when the new league year starts, uh, teams can begin contacting other unrestricted free agents or free agents you know, that are going to become unrestricted, and they can begin signing them to con- not signing them but negotiating contracts, all but signing them. They can start signing them at 4 p.m. on Wednesday, but they can reach deals, they can reach agreements. Uh, they're not binding again until their name is, is on the piece of paper, which again uh, happens uh, after 4 p.m. on uh, on Wednesday, but. Um, this is essentially the unofficial official start of free agency. So when you're talking about some of the guys that the Bucks uh, want to resign, whether it's Quan Alexander or Adam Humphreys, they'll now have a chance to go out there and find out what their market value really is. And so, you know, these agents, you know, you might have one agent that says, well, you know, I got five teams interested in Humphreys or you know, six teams interested in Quan Alexander. I mean, this is a sort of the, the news that might leak out there as these guys create sort of a market for themselves. Um, the problem with the Bucks is that they have no money. They are $3.1 million under the salary cap or thereabouts. Um, they, after the Jaguars released some players, um, they were the, the last team in the league or they had the little, least amount of cap space. Now it's the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks have the least amount of cap space of any team in the NFL. Uh, so if you're sitting here in your Tampa Bay and you've had back-to-back 5-11 and 11 seasons, um, just how do you begin you know, to sort of improve your football team if you're going to use free agency as, as a tool at all. So how do they get here? I mean, the, the one, on the one hand, it's, it's kind of a good thing in that they've drafted some players that have been productive enough to get contract extensions, right? On the other hand, those players alone have not been enough to get it done. So 
obviously they want to keep their keep their own guys. I've talked to uh, general manager Jason Light at the combine, and he was talking about how um, you know it, it sort of started with uh, with Mike Evans re- renegotiating his deal and Cam Brait, Natalie Marpet, and and now we saw Donovan Smith last week sign a forty one and point uh, two five million dollar deal. Um, then you've had older players that have reached con- that reached their second contracts, whether it's uh, you know, guys like Gerald McCoy or Levante David. And so they're in the prime of their careers or their prime earning earning dollars. And even a guy like Mike Evans, I mean, he's he's on the hook for like, I think, 20 million next season. So the Bucks have to create some salary cap room. And uh, this is going to be the challenge for them. And I think we're at the point, Steve, where if they want to sign a player uh, come Wednesday at four o'clock, the start of free agency, whether that's Quan Alexander or anybody else that's out there, Okay, they have to have more than $3 million to do it. And so I think you're going to start seeing in the next few days, or certainly by the time they, they want to go to a contract with somebody else, they've got to release some players. And not, not just a little bit. I mean, they're going to need some big chunks here. And in a minute we'll get into just where that comes from. But um, this is going to be a, a, a fascinating sort of 72 hours where the Bucks are going to have to find money um, to to either improve their football team or or at least keep it the where it is with with guys like Quan Alexander. Well, and Bruce Arians said, "Look, this isn't a rebuild. This is what a retooling or you know reload reloading." Mm-hmm. Well, reloading means you got to add. You're going to add some pieces. You got to add I some mean, ammunition, you know, right? You're not you just you're not some. just going with the same roster that's gotten two five and eleven seasons and hasn't been to the playoffs mm-hmm. in what is it, eleven seasons now. Right. So you do expect some change. Uh, we've speculated all along that Deshaun Jackson will be one of those changes. His contract's I not guaranteed at $10 million a year. I would imagine. Uh, you know, so there's $10 million you can free up. So that's you can sign a free agent or two with that in mm-hmm. addition to the $3 million you've got. But, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would imagine you've got to clear up some more space, whether it's renegotiation or cutting some other players. Because you can't feel that this roster is, is ready to compete yet. No. You think not, you've got a better coaching defense. staff, and so hopefully the players yeah. get better. But mm-hmm. I don't think anyone believes that the roster is ready to compete at this point. No. And, and you know, uh, like I said, you still have a draft, which is uh, you're picking fifth overall. It's heavy for defensive linemen, defensive help in general, which is good. But those players are going to be rookies, even if you put them in important roles, you know, whether that's a, a, a defensive end, somebody come off the edge. Um, like a Josh Allen from Kentucky or, you know, or a linebacker like Devin White from LFU. I mean, there are guys that could help you and step right in and help you right away. Um, but you don't know how that's going to fall. And you could get offers to trade back and pick up even more draft picks. But again, those are rookies. Those are guys who in time, maybe right away, but in time will, will be, you know, sort of the sort of the core of your football team moving forward. But you need to win now. So you got to get some of your own guys back. Um, starting with Quan Alexander, who, you know, all reports are that they've offered him a long-term deal. Well, what is a long-term deal? Are we talking about three, four, five years? Usually they guarantee two of those years. Is he going to make the, the max contract like $10 bucks a year? Are they going to guarantee him 20 over two? But to do that, you're going to have to create some cap space. And, and, yeah, there are guys that you can go in there and get pieces here, pieces there. Mitch Unrein, depending on what his uh, physical status is with the concussions and all of that. Um, you know, you could certainly uh, uh, cut, you know, Brian Anger, the punter, and save $3 million. I mean, there, there are, there's little little bits of money here and there that you can get that might add up. 
but you're going to need some chunks. And we've talked about Deshaun Jackson, and oh yes, it's time to now consider this, that Gerald McCoy could be one of those people. And look, the Bucks, and I will be the first to tell you this because I've written it, are, are talking out of both sides of their mouth with respect to McCoy. I, I have been told he was he's, he's safe and could still be safe, and, and that's at coming back at the full $13 million, which is not guaranteed. But, folks, life comes at you fast. Um, they have to create salary cap space and not just a little bit. And I'm just here to tell you that there's now you know, indications from people at One Buck Place and others that I talked to that you know, perhaps McCoy is that guy um, that you're going to see dumped here in the next the next week or so or the next few days. Hell, it could happen today. I really don't know. And and why we don't know the timing of all this is because it'll depend on when they get a deal done. I mean, until they have another player who's who's agreed to something and they get to Tuesday at 4 where they have to sign him, um, they don't technically need the cap space. Uh, so they can hang on to these guys. And you know, with the in the case of Deshaun, which I have never bought, and I don't care how many meetings he has with Deshaun Jackson, I don't care – what he says that his offense is going to be. I don't care how many times that Jameis Winston goes on, you know, NFL Network like he did this weekend and talks about, uh, you know, how he'd love to play with Deshaun again and Deshaun's a winner and, you know, they can make it work and all this. I don't care. I don't see Deshaun Jackson on this football team and not at $10 million a year. At 32 years old, a guy that asked to be traded last October that at the Super Bowl said he wanted to go play for the Rams and because they say he had a, a good meaning with Bruce Arians, everyone's supposed to think, oh, well, then problem solved. It's not been solved. And, and I think Deshaun is probably one of those people that they would love to trade if they can get anything for him. But if you saw what Antonio Brown went for, a third rounder, I don't exactly think you're going to get a whole lot for Deshaun Jackson because there's a big difference between those two receivers in terms of production. So um, we'll see if he sticks around here. In the other, and, and you know, McCoy's the other guy. I mean, Gerald McCoy, um, they have said, they have said, the Bucks have told me, can fit into a, a 3 4 defense that's going to be run by Todd Bowles. Um, they've said that, you know, he's still a guy that occupies more than one blocker. You talk about the 13 million. Well, what about the 13 million? Well, then they tell you, yeah, but Indomitian Sue got paid 14.5 million to play for the Rams. So really, it's sort of the same market value. Um, they will say all those things, and then you look at that, and and you know, before long, they're talking about creating salary cap space, and all of a sudden, you realize, you know what, that includes everybody, including McCoy, because they have to get some big chunks here, and and I just think that McCoy could be vulnerable now, where I didn't absolutely didn't think that two weeks ago. In fact, everybody led me to believe that that wasn't the case. And still perhaps may not be the case. Maybe he is back, but maybe he isn't. And the maybe he isn't, to me, seems like a, a big change uh, for me anyway, or at least um, something to be alerted to. Because we've seen over these last few days, really since about uh, Thursday or Friday, you saw all the moves made by different teams cutting players. I mean, some good players were released, right, and have been released through this whole prospect, uh, through this whole process whether it's Landon Collins or, you know, somebody like that. Um, you know, we can get into some of the free agents that the Bucks might be interested. Eric Weddle was released, and then he's going to sign with the Rams. But, you know, there are, this, this is the time of year where everybody sort of holds their cards into the last hand, right? Um, and then you flip them over, and it's like, no, I'm out. 
Well, there's a lot of people who are about to fold and reveal who they're really going to keep and who they're really going to put back out there in free agency. And that's going to happen um, starting today, tomorrow, the next day. You're going to see trades. Uh, we've already seen some trades in the NFL. You're going to see uh, teams try to sign, re-sign their players. There, there's all kinds of moves that are going to, hap- going to be happening. Uh, one move that happened as we do this podcast, the Rams have re-signed Dante Fowler Jr., uh, the kid from uh, Lakewood High School, of course, played in Jacksonville, then went to the Rams during the midseason. Um, did a pretty good job for them, especially in the postseason and the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And so now he's been re-signed. And so he would have been an unrestricted free agent that other teams might have gone out there and try to try to capture. And yet they've locked him up. You know, the Bucks uh, are are you know going to try to do that with Quan. They've offered him, like I said, a long-term deal. But we don't know how many of these guys that they can get, and we don't know. We do know that they have needs. Like you're exactly right, Steve. Like this team needs to get better on defense. Um, we've talked about some of the players that might be vulnerable. Again, my information is that Cam Braid is not one of them. He's going to earn seven million dollars as a number two tight end. But you know, and, and just <laughs> look, take it for what it's worth. They could change their minds, or they could be lying to me because that's possible. Um, but I'm told that Cam Cam Braid will be back on this football team, and he's not one of those people that they're looking to move. Now, having said that, by the time this podcast airs, they'll probably be traded someplace. But um, that's just how fluid this is, and it happens rapidly, and it changes all the time based on the players that become available from other teams. Um, You know, whether that's, you know, I mean, just all kinds of names are being dumped out there. So we'll just have to see. I mean, this is the time of year where there's a lot of liars poker. There's a lot of um, maneuvering and positioning. But we know this about the Bucks. They have never been in this salary cap situation since Jason Light has been here. In five years, he's always had money to spend. He's typically um, targeted some big-name free agents. We know last year, of course, they went all in and tried to rebuild the defensive line. They traded for Jason Pierre-Paul, who's a, a big expense for them even today. Um, they, they went and traded for Bo Allen. Uh, they signed Vinny Curry. I think, no, I'm sorry, Bo Allen was uh, was not traded. Bo Allen was a free agent. Mm-hmm. Benny Curry was a free agent. They signed him, and he's since been released. Mitch Unrein was a free agent. He never played because of a concussion. He might end up getting released. So they've, they've gone all in, you know, whether it was Brent Grimes a few years ago. I mean, there's different name guys. Deshaun Jackson and was one of those a Deshaun couple years Jackson ago. Deshaun Jackson was a huge, yeah, $33.5 million for Deshaun Jackson, 20, $22 million, I think, guaranteed. So they've had an awful lot of big-name, splashy-type free agents, and I don't know that that will be their approach. I mean, again, certainly they, they need linebackers, right? they got the Levante David. Um, we don't know about Kendall Beckwith. He's, he's ailing with his ankle. Um, you know, Quan is coming off an ACL, so even if you sign Quan, he's not cleared to play football for another four months. Uh, he's working hard. He's trying to do some things. But, you know, again, who are your four linebackers, right? You might have one guy stand up that's a defensive end in a 4-3, but who are your th- other three guys? You might draft a guy. Um, they've got needs, and they've got needs at safety. And, you know, the safety position is interesting because there are some safeties out there that, you know, certainly Bruce Arians has – experience with starting with Tyron Matthew the honey badger who's a free agent from you know the Texans and he could be had but you're going to need seven eight million dollars for him Uh, he was cut by Houston because they had five million of that eight million he was due to earn in 2019 was guaranteed after a certain date in March you know I've seen people talk about Le'Veon Bell coming here I don't see that because he's going to get 12 or 14 million dollars I don't see the Bucks spending that on a running back but again what do I know uh, all these things will be will be discovered here 
pretty quickly. And I think, Steve, that we're into seeing some 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 people released. Um, and one of them may or may not be Gerald McCoy, but I'm I'm telling you, I think he's I think him and everybody else is under consideration at this point. Of course, the big news in the NFL over the weekend was uh, Steelers receiver Antonio Brown is finally traded, not to Buffalo, which people suspected for about six hours over the weekend, which was kind of fun. Um, but he ends up going to the uh, Oakland Raiders for a third rounder and a fifth rounder. And get this. Now, now Brown is a guy that had, uh, I think he was owed three years, $38 million, none of which was guaranteed. So he still had three years on his contract with the Steelers. Typically, when you trade a player, that player, his contract is traded with him, right? The, the Raiders didn't owe him any more money. They didn't owe him any more guarantees. They basically inherit the player and his and his contract. But no, 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 no. These are the Raiders we're talking about. So what do they do? They sign him to a new three-year contract worth a lot more money, $54.125 million. And, oh, yeah, by the way, $30.125 of that is guaranteed. So he basically essentially almost guaranteed what he was what he was owed by the Steelers had he played all three seasons, which there was no no guarantee of that. And so by being a, a malcontent and a guy that uh, you know basically didn't like the quarterback, uh, forced his way out of town, he he ends up in a place where he's going to get more money guaranteed, and he gets to essentially pick the team he wants to go to because they couldn't send him to say Buffalo, who was interested because he would never report there. I mean, this is the train coming down the tracks of the NFL, Steve, because now you know what you look like? The NBA. Well, here's what I don't – if you're the Raiders, why not just guarantee the $38.9 million? Why are you giving well, you him a raise? You could have done if that. You're, if you're the you Raiders. Done that. I mean, you know, look, Antonio Brown, at the end of the day, and you could say what you want about Ben Roethlisberger and the GM and everything else, it was all about he wanted guaranteed money. That's really what yeah. he wanted. It was, it's I mean, about the, the, the money, quarterback yeah. was part of it and everything else. It was about he wanted guaranteed money. And, and believe me, I'd want guaranteed money too. Sure. So, But if you're the Raiders and you traded for him, why not just guarantee his contract, which is what he wanted? Why are you giving him a raise? It makes That part makes no sense. Well, the, what's guaranteed is a little less than what he would have earned had he had he stayed there for three years. It was sure. thirty-eight million versus thirty, but he was essentially guaranteed all of it, almost. I mean, less less seven something million dollars. But yeah, they guaranteed thirty point one two five, and he was only owed thirty-eight. So really, even if he plays three years, you're saying you know that's about ten million or so a year. He may never see the fifty-four, but nonetheless, if he is there, he's going to see fifty-four. He got a raise. And it's guaranteed, and he gets to dictate which team he goes to. And you know, really, the Steelers didn't get anything for him. I mean, a three and a five for a guy, you know, that arguably is one of the best receivers or the best receiver in the NFL, even at his age. He's not going to play forever. But yeah, this is the the problem is is that you're Julio Jones, okay? You're coming up on a new deal, or you still have years left under your 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 existing contract. Why don't you take this route? Why don't you do what guys in the NBA have done? Like, you know what? I don't want to play here anymore. Oh, but you're under contract. I know, but you know what? I just don't want to play. Uh, well, where do you want to go? We'll have to trade you? Yeah, you got to trade me. Where do you want to go? Well, I get to pick the team. Like, this is not what the NFL has ever been about, folks. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, there is free agency, but this guy just created his own free agency. And how did he do it? By being a completely bad, selfish player. <laughs> well, <laughs> By, let's, put it in terms, you know, let's put it in terms Bucks fans can understand. 2020, next season, not this coming season, but next mm-hmm. season, Mike Evans' contract's not guaranteed anymore. That's right. 
That's right. Who's to say he doesn't try this? Why wouldn't he? Why why wouldn't anybody try this? I mean, you're create and if you're under contract for a few more years but you don't have any guarantees of that money and you don't like your team, then you know what you do? Don't show up for the last game. How about you quit on your team? How about they send you home and don't play you in a game that you have to win to get into the postseason? I mean, this is unbelievable to me. And this and if I'm an owner, I'm this scares the hell out of me. And I don't know what the Roonies just did here. But they, they felt like they were nowhere with the player that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't gonna play for them anymore. So they felt like well, we gotta get some value out of him and let him be somebody else's headache. But now if you're a big enough star and even though you have years left on your deal, if you want to get a new deal and you don't want to play under your existing crappy deal, then just make enough waves till they'll get rid of you. And there'll be one sucker out there that'll do it. Like, this is unbelievable. So I, I, I've seen free agency. I've seen the start of free agency. I've seen, you know, things go from signing bonuses to guaranteed money to more years guaranteed to all this kind of stuff. I've never seen this. I've never seen a player – talk his way, um, sure, you can, like, Keyshawn Johnson talked his way out of Tampa Bay and had a friction with a coach, and he was inactive, and it cost him money, and he wound up getting traded to where he wanted to go, which was Dallas, but they got a player in Joey Galloway back from Dallas. So, yeah, does it happen? Sure, it does happen where players get disgruntled and they wind up getting traded. But this is unbelievable that, that you would talk, you know, negotiate your way into $30 million that you already had three years under contract that they should have just picked up. And if you want to play football, you're going to play and earn what was left on your contract, which was $38 million. But this is something different. So I don't know. I I think it's <laughs> – if I'm Julio Jones, if I'm one of these guys, in addition to the price going up as far as what a receiver is worth, I mean, remember now, they traded a young guy to Dallas and got a first-round pick for him, right? Amari Cooper. Yeah, and then they and they end up with a, a thirty-something-year-old Antonio Brown, uh, and I don't know how many great years he has left. Yeah, but let's not forget uh, they're moving to Vegas in twenty twenty, and they like big names, big personalities. That's part of why Gruden's there. That's why they like Antonio Brown. It's about selling tickets Gruden. in Vegas. I tell you what, man, A B stands for always blessed. You know what I mean? Red or black, you know, in Vegas, you got to go red or black. I'm putting $30 million on Brown, man. That's what I'm doing. I, I you know, I, I, God bless him. I mean, he's got three number one picks still. He didn't have to use those, so I guess, I guess that's a good thing. But this is who John is. John, John wants veteran players. John wants guys. Uh, and this is the first deal by uh, Mike Mayock, really, that's, you know, that, that negotiated this. I, I assume he negotiated it with John's blessings or – direction or whatnot but it's uh it's gonna be interesting and yeah you're right they do they do need star power they, they also need a team that can win by the time they get to las vegas so uh this will certainly help them we'll see what else they do what are the what are the odds that they uh what else do you think that the raiders might have in in store do they get Le'Veon bell too he's or, a free agent you can they just trade up for him. kyler murray or do you trade up for Kyler Murray, who I think is probably going number one to Arizona, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Johnny packages a couple number ones and goes up. So yeah. He's whatever's gonna happen in the draft, and they've already they've already dominated the free agent news, but whatever's gonna happen in the draft is gonna be Oakland's to dictate with those three number one picks. I mean, there is so many ways you can play that. And uh and we'll see what, what John and, and uh Mayock have in store. But 
Wow, what a deal over the weekend. And it was funny when, uh, for like I said, for about six hours there was news that he may be traded to the Bills, which would be the ultimate throwing shade at him by the Pittsburgh Steelers to trade him to Buffalo, which is the problem <laughs> with being traded is they get to decide where you're going. But he would have never reported there. And once the Bills realized that, that he wanted a new deal and, you know, all this money and everything, they were like, look, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to wait on this guy. Um, he don't want to be here. So, but that was, uh, that was interesting, uh, made for some interesting uh, tweets and kind of rollbacks as far as some of the national guys that put it out there. And it, it turned out that uh, it fell apart pretty quickly. So that's your NFL. Uh, it's going to be an interesting week all week long. Of course, like I mentioned before, the start of uh, the period where teams can talk to UFAs, players from other teams, uh, is at noon today. That'll run through until 4 o'clock on Wednesday. And then at 4 o'clock on Wednesday is when Adam Schefter does the most incredible 45 minutes in sports, where he's got his what used to be the BlackBerry, but now it's like two big or three phones going. And he's literally on the phone going, according to my sources, get another one tip at bay. The Buccaneers have signed so-and-so, and then and he's breathless. And then, wait a minute, got another one here in Cleveland. This is And it goes on. It's un- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's like Schefter Palooza. I've never seen anything like it. If you if you have if you're near a TV at four o'clock on Wednesday, I'm telling you, you have to watch this to believe it, because he has just got every deal, and it will be flying at him from every direction. So, anyway, it's good TV, that's for sure. Okay, Steve. So uh, one team that is doing okay locally for sure, uh, and doesn't need free agency at least right now, would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. They first of all, before they even took the ice on Saturday, they clinched. A playoff spot. That's right. They I know Friday night you spot. were watching the Canadians and Ducks play. I actually was not, but oh. I did see it on Twitter. I did see it on Twitter where they announced that they had made the playoffs, which is cool. Um, did I see it was it's the 11th time they've made the postseason, I want to say? I think that sounds – that's In about right. Five yeah. out of the last six years. How yes. about that for consistency? Yep. Five of the last five six, and they've made years. Eastern Conference Finals four of the last eight years. Phenomenal. I mean, they, they are, unfortunately, though, they're becoming a little bit like the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> where – you got to get not only got to get get to the Super Bowl, but you got to win one. Um, but yeah, now it's it's, it's a remarkable uh, run that they're on here, and of course this season and historic season. And then they go and they play Detroit, which they've had tremendous success against Detroit lately. Fourteen straight wins against Detroit; those are regular season wins. It's just, I mean, and of course, you know the the, the animus between those teams uh, with the the playoffs and how chippy it got and and all of that um, in previous you know previous years, last year and so forth, but. I think that, you know, this was – I mean, Detroit's rebuilding, okay? And yet, uh, this was a really interesting game. It was a good game. They were up 3-1. They gave up a goal late. Uh, Louis Domingue was in net. Uh, the Lightning really dominated this game, particularly 5-on-5. Oh, five five. Detroit created some momentum on the power play. But 5-on-5, five sure. five, the Lightning really dominated this game. Yeah, it was 3-1. to one. I mean, Cooch again with two goals. And so he breaks Vinny LeCavier's record. And – you kind of knew it was inevitable. I mean, kind of the, the, the pace he was on. What, what I don't 
what we don't know, and we talked about Diane, we talked with Diane Neros about this last, just last week, is how far does he go with this? <laughs> I mean, there's still quite a few games. I mean, he could really rack up some points now. I mean, it's not going to be like it was in the Gretzky days, but man, he could score a lot of points this year. Well, to be curious, I mean, they've got 13 games left. He's still on pace right now with more points than the Lightning have. The Lightning have 108. He's got 110. That's but crazy. But what'll be curious is how they divvy the workload up down the stretch. Meaning, you know, do they start playing the fourth line a few more minutes as they, you know, look, they're close. Their magic number is 12 to clinch home ice for the first two rounds of the playoffs at this point. Um, right. So six well, more wins of their next 13 games is all they need. It doesn't matter what right. Boston does at that point. So right. are they going to, you know, cut back Kucherov and Stamkos' minutes a little bit? You know, they're still going to play, but get a few less minutes per game just to, re- you know, kind of rest them in games as far as getting ready for the playoffs. It'll be curious how they do that, but I know they want to get Kucherov the scoring title. Now he's got a huge lead there. That probably isn't going to be an issue, but, you know, the more points he gets, the more, you know, he can mount up, the more, you know, look, the more history they're making this season. And how about Steven Stamkos Saturday night? Ties oh. Vinny LeCavier for the goal lead, and then the, the call's overturned on an offside. Yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Yeah, that, that's got to be tough that you've tied the record, everyone's celebrating the arena, and then offsides, and they, they overturn it. But he'll and get he it He'll get in the next game or two or three or whatever, you know. Maybe he'll set it in his hometown yeah. of Toronto tonight. No, they're, look, they, they, again, continue this, this just rocket ship of a season. And I'm, I, I just – I think everybody, including them, just wants this to end. You know, just end, get to the postseason, let's see how far they can push it. They're playing as well as they can. Most of their team is healthy for them, you know, for the greatest part. Um, and, you know, they, they just haven't looked any better than this. And so um, – and, and, then, and then yet, Steve, I'm watching um, the other night uh, as, we, as we take this podcast, Boston was playing Pittsburgh. You had a great stat about Boston who had gotten a point in 18 straight games. 19 straight. Two, that was snapped on straight. Sunday night. So they, they were 15-0-4 in their last 19 games going into Sunday night. They lost to Pittsburgh 4-2. Wow. So 15-0-4 is a tremendous mark in 19 straight games with a point. It is. Do you know how many points they made up on the Lightning in those 19 games? This is an unbelievable stat. Two. As two the, points. As the Lightning went 15-2-2. Two two. That's just stupid, right? I mean, you can't, you can't do any better than that, and you gained all of two points on the, on the first-place team. That's mm-hmm. incredible to me. So as much as everyone's um, talking about Boston and how hot they are, and, and, and rightfully so, they're – they're a very good team. They're they're the second best team in the NHL right now, but they made up two whole points on the Lightning in a 19 game point streak. That's that shows you how what a, a torrid pace they're on, and you know. But I'm watching this game, Steve, and and I think uh, you know Pittsburgh uh, was like eight three and two out of their last what would that be eleven to thirteen games or so. Um, so they've started to play better, and they're no longer I don't believe the eighth seed, which is a, probably a good thing. But there's look, there's talent. There's talent, man, in in their conference. They're, they're gonna, it's not going to be – no one's going to hand it to them, I'll tell you that. These are skilled teams, man. I was watching Pittsburgh, and when they want to play, they can really put pressure on you, you know? Look, anytime you got Sig Crosby, who, for my money, is still the best player in the game today. Evgeny Malkin, I mm-hmm. mean – But, know. yeah, Pittsburgh would be the, the three seed in the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're, uh, what, four points clear of the second wild card spot, which is held by Columbus at this point. Right. 
and they're tied with Montreal, but they have a game in hand. So, but we're just we're just so ready for the postseason. I mean, and I and you know you just. For the lightning's sake, you hope that everything goes smoothly. And, and the biggest thing is the health of the team. And well, you're right. that's what you're if really they, looking at. Dan Girardi and Anton Strawman were out with day to day with injuries. Jan Ruda slated in and played pretty well. I mean, I, John Cooper mm-hmm. kind of put it best. He goes, and take this as a compliment. I didn't notice him on the ice. <laughs> Which, he, you know, thing. when he had the puck, he made the right plays. He looked good defensively. You know, he, that's right. Didn't nothing flashy, bad. nothing spectacular, but, you know, you didn't notice him. You weren't going, oh, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Or. You know, didn't have any issues or breakdowns. He looked solid slating, and that was his first game with the Lightning. Now, he's got like 80 career appearances with other teams prior to this, but this was his first one with the Lightning. So so I wanted to mention this story uh, that Mark Tompkin had in the Tampa Bay Times today, and it's about um, their Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell. And we know what an unbelievable year he had, how good everybody uh, at, at, with the Rays feels about his future and you know, he's not even arbitration eligible yet. But uh, this this kind of put a sour taste in his mouth, and I can understand. I just want to get your take on it, Steve. I kind of know what I think about it. But, uh, uh, you know, to, to ask yourself, you know, what what is a Cy Young season worth, right, for Blake Snell? Well, for Blake Snell, his contract is $573,700. And so that basically gave him – a $15,500 raise, and really it's a $5,500 raise because 10000 of that is just the increase for the major league minimum um, and not a, not really a reward for what he did. So Snell, you know, uh, given this information about the fact that he's basically getting $5,500 bucks, uh, for winning the Cy Young, uh, you know, said he made it clear through his agents he had a statement, and Basically, it was, look, the Rays have the right under the collective bargaining agreement to renew me uh, at or near the league minimum salary. Uh, they also have the ability to more than adequate, more adequately compensate me, as other organizations have done with players who have similar achievements to mine. The Rays chose the former. Uh, I will have no more further comments. Look forward to competing with my teammates, blah, blah, blah. So, on the one hand, he's saying, look, I'm not going to make a, a bigger deal of this ap- you know, after today. But this this has to really sting a little bit, and it, it isn't any different than they treated, um, really. You know, Joey Wendell was a similar situation, and he had a great year. Um, Ryan Stanick, who was the opener, um, you know, kind of a similar situation where he didn't get a whole lot of more money for what he did. And so, until these guys are arbitration eligible and they start getting into the big contracts, uh, the Rays are going to do what the Rays do. And I mean, I know it's how they do business. I know. Um, you know, they have control of him. They're not required to give him a ton of money, but they could. They could exceed it. I just think, I wonder, and of course all of this would be dictated by where the Rays are, if they're even in, in Tampa Bay or if they have a new stadium and whether they can retain Blake Snell. Look, they may not be able to keep Blake Snell no matter when he becomes a free agent. It just might be too damn much money, as it's always been for David Price and for James Shields and all these guys. But don't you think, Steve, that there's a there's there's a level of uh, there will be a level of sourness when when and if that time comes when he's he's thinking about whether he wants to stay with this organization? Absolutely, there could be. I mean, that that's definitely one of the risks the Rays take with doing this. Uh, yeah. At the the other part of this is is and you don't know what's been communicated back too. You know, Blake right. may be saying, "Look, I want big bucks." Period. And the Rays, the Rays may already know they don't have a shot to keep him long term. You know, yeah, I mean, I Evan, Evan Longoria took a, a team friendly deal to to stay at the team when he was drafted, and that. 
Sure. I have no idea what Blake Snell wants to do. I have no idea what his agents have communicated. He may not even know at this point. Mm-hmm. But this is just there is two sides to everything too, where you know you don't know what's been communicated back and forth between the teams and Blake Snell's team. You know, agents that mm-hmm. we they may already know what the long term play is based on what Blake's already told them. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, and this is pure speculation. There's no no I don't know anything behind the scenes. Just you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, and, and Mark Topkin wrote about a couple other players that have had similar things. You know, Corey Kluber a few years ago made five hundred fourteen thousand dollars. Then he got a raise to six hundred one after he won the Cy Young. So they gave him about an eighty-five thousand, eighty what, eighty-seven thousand dollar raise. Except three weeks later, they signed him to a five-year, thirty-five million dollar or thirty-eight million dollar contract. So you know, the raise, you know, the Indians didn't give him a huge bump, bigger than the raise did, but they ended up signing to a long-term deal. You know, it, the other part of this could be a negotiation of okay, we're only giving you this, but we'll sign you to a long-term deal today and take more money now and give us more, you know, more term on the back end. He'll start arbitration next year. He'll get paid a lot of money in arbitration, particularly mm-hmm. if he has a good season this year. Doesn't he have to be as good as last year, just a good season this year. He'll have he'll be he'll be well paid by next season. Right. And I mean, no matter what, you know, and this is always something that organizations have to think about. I mean, they they don't want to start a precedent of this. Oh, right? that too. I mean, what if we, Will, you know, we, Mark brought up, what if Willie Damas wins the MVP? That's or, right. So you know, Brendan Lau or Nate Lowe wins the Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. You so know? you have young players who you are under control with, and because they're good, and because mm-hmm. you give them opportunity as young players, and they go out there and they under your guidance and analytics and coaching, you put them in a position and they, and they achieve then you're supposed to reward them beyond what you, you're required to do. Um, and then there's going to be a line outside the GM's office. I mean, that's just the way it's going to work if you have mm-hmm. successful players that have outperformed their contracts, and they don't have the money to do this. And I'm right. with you, Steve. I think they know. Look, there's no precedent for them being able to re-sign a pitcher like Blake Snow. They didn't re-sign their other Cy Young Award winner in David Price. No. So – under the current climate with this stadium situation and, and, and their revenues, they know that they can't retain Blake Snow. And chances are they'll end up trading him before, you know, um, while there's still maximum value. Yeah, he'll hit he, free agency after the 2022 season. So That's right. And the only thing that would, would change that maybe would be the promise of a new stadium and new revenues, I suppose. But I don't even know in, in that case that that would do it. So – um, yeah, in terms of precedent, in terms of just 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 what we don't do. Um, now, the one thing that I will say, and and I got to trust him, is that Kevin Cash says that going forward, that, that there's not going to be any carryover. That you know he's been around these guys, and he says he knows that they understand this is part of the business, and mm-hmm. they handle their business very well. And when it comes to compete, they compete, and so uh, he doesn't expect this to linger. And of course, everybody, you know, if Snell were to get off to a bad start or, or not have a good, people would go, well, he's, you know, he's mad because of his contract yeah. and he's sulking. And, you know, I think I got to trust Kevin Cash in that, you know, that's how these guys got to be Cy Young Award winners and, and, and outperform their contracts is they, they're able to let their agents do their work and, and then they're able to go out there and just play baseball and, um, and they really don't get distracted. So, well, the other side of that any, is yeah. the better season he has this year, the better his. Deal in arbitration will be next. Arbitration year. will be. That's right. So every every pitch he throws is is only going to potentially make him more money if he has uh, a good success. And what if he's able to build another twenty one season? What if he's ever to go back to back in a Cy Young? I mean, you just don't know. He wants to be 
one of the greatest left-handed pitchers of mm-hmm. all time. Um, so, you know, he's singularly driven, and that's why he was able to win the Cy Young last year. So I don't expect the performance to be any different. But Look, at the, um, at the end of the day, his salary is essentially collectively bargained. That's right. And, and the Rays are living up to the collective bargaining agreement. And if the players don't sure like are. the way those systems are, then you negotiate in your next CBA. I mean, yep. you know, that's what happened with the NFL when rookies were making $50 million signing bonuses. That's right. They decided they didn't want rookies to make that kind of money until you've proven it. And so they rechain, you know, the players and the owners got together and collectively bargained and changed the system. And the owners were all too happy to do it because the players were foolish enough to think that they were going to reallocate that money and give it to veteran players. And guess what? They didn't. Um, you know, I remember, you know, back in the day, um, you know, the union reps uh, saying that, look, I don't care. It Really, there's not that many guys in the first round that are going to get a guaranteed, you know, $50 million signing bonus or $30 million signing bonus. But for the ones that are, it's just more money to players. Like, what do you care? You know, well, they didn't earn it. Well, you know, we got veteran players that don't make that. Well, okay, but, you know, if you'd have been drafted in the first 10 picks, you'd have made it too. Um, and, and the idea is for all players to get as much money in their hands as they can. And they negotiated a CBA where now the rookies don't get paid. But guess what? When you get to be a veteran that's not a star – and you get to be three or four years in and the minimum salary goes up on you, they're not giving that money to you either. Um, so I, I, I don't think it worked out quite the way that the union intended it to, but that's the system they have now, and they changed it. And you're right. You, if you don't like the system you're under, go to your reps, change the CBA, and, and make it better for everybody next time. But um, these are the rules they're playing under. And I, I see both sides. I just I, – I, you know, these mm-hmm. stories like these – are never great for any organization to have to read. It's kind of painful to read it, but it is where they are, and it's it's something that Blake Snell will have to live by. Um, but that's you know that's the organization he plays for now, and if if he gets a chance to be a free agent one day, he can he can weigh that, keep it in mind, and, and go somewhere else. And I think the Rays probably understand that. Speaking of the Rays, what a uh, man they've had a couple of of uh, home run derbies out there in Port Charlotte. What the hell's going on? Well, down how, there? Did you see Avisel Garcia's home run on Sunday? Oh. They've hit some tape well, And Brendan Lau's home run on Saturday, I believe it was. Goodness gracious. I know the wind was blowing out, um, what was it, on uh, Sunday. Yeah. I know that. It sure. Was, it was blowing Well, it didn't get good. 464, most likely it is. <laughs> it ain't blowing in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's not holding up. Um, so, but I mean, it was, it was uh, I think they hit, what, they hit six or seven home runs in that game? I, I believe it was six I, on like, Sunday, lost, something like that, yeah. Yeah, lost track. I mean, Joey Wendell had one. Elvisar Garcia had one. I mean, uh, and that followed the seventeen to fifteen matchup on Saturday. Can you imagine? This is the thing about spring training. Like everybody, I mean, spring training is one of those things you endure. I think as players and media and and coaches and stuff. Um, What you don't want to endure is a four hour game. (laughs) Kevin Cash's quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along. (laughs) There's no words to describe what just happened over the last four hours. I mean, you're out there, and you're just, you've been out there since, like, what, 8 o'clock in the morning, yeah. 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever. You know, you make your lineup, and the game's at 1, and you, you just want to get to dinner. You know, you yep. just it's a long day, and, and you don't want anybody to get hurt, and you just want to get your work in and get out of there. And no one plays extra innings, and then here comes here comes a game that – what was it you said? Uh, they gave, The other team gave up, like, seven unearned or something yeah, like well, that? Yeah, well, the Orioles get, had five errors in the seventh inning alone. <laughs> oh, my God. And three of them That's were by the catcher. Brutal. 
That's brutal. Yeah. That's totally brutal. And that allowed them to push the game. Yeah, it was 14-7. Uh, that made it 14-14 and ended up 17-15. But Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's nothing could be worse than that. Seriously. So we've got a, uh, a busy week coming up yeah. this oh, week. We got some course, college football I, news, too. Willie Taggart finally oh. has a quarterback. He does. And let me just say this. Um, well, allegedly a quarterback. Yeah. I Okay. <laughs> so, you know, my wife went to, went to Wisconsin. Correct. Right? That's why I'm so, laughing about it. Well, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that Wisconsin is a, a very underrated program uh, in terms of, well, I don't know if they're underrated, um, but they're one of those programs. They're overlooked that, a lot. They're overlooked, right? That's a good way of putting it. They're overlooked because. You know they're in the Big Ten, but they're not Michigan. They're not. They're in the Ohio weak State. division. I mean, they, dom- weaker, they dominate in, the West. They do. Northwestern and all those teams are in their division, I believe. Um, Iowa, I think, and, and mm-hmm. whatever whatever they call that division. But but they're very consistent. I mean, Wisconsin every year is going to win somewhere between nine and eleven games, and on good years they're going to challenge for the Big Ten title as they have many times and lost. But Alex Horningbrook is this left-handed quarterback. Um, that I have watched and tried to endure, and I mean endure for the last three years. Um, he's not good, folks. <laughs> I'll say it right now. I don't care who's coaching or where he's playing. He is not a good player. He's not particularly mobile. He doesn't throw the ball in the run very well. He doesn't throw the ball if everything's perfect very well. He is a, he is a streaky passer, and it's really streaky bad before it's streaky good. And if this is the Florida State Seminole, now watch, I'll say this, and he'll be like the All-American and it'll lead him to a national title. But if this is Florida State's plan, you know how they said we got a plan? We got a plan. Apparently the plan was not to recruit a quarterback for two years. Like that, Let me just say off the top, that is a bad plan, okay? And I don't think – I think that's the result of things not going to plan because clearly they had quarterbacks that they were interested in that went other places, okay, and a couple that have left their program. So this was never the plan. But if Alex Hornibrook is the plan, then you need a better plan because I will. He's not only is he not a good quarterback at Wisconsin, I think he'll be worse at Florida State because I mean Florida State. I mean Florida State has to. First of all, if you're getting Wisconsin's rejects at quarterback, who's the best? I mean Russell Wilson, sure. You know what I mean? Like, and he he was North Carolina State's reject, or at least for whatever reason they. They thought Mike Lennon was a better player, so he ended up spending his fifth year, uh, you know, fifth year senior at Wisconsin, and, and we know he got drafted in the third round, and now he's, you know, tremendous player for the Seattle Seahawks. And we, I watch that every day. But Wisconsin's usually the team that gets a guy from someplace that you know couldn't make it, uh, but the, but he's an upgrade for Wisconsin. There's no way that this is going to be a great. I mean, it might be an upgrade because they have nobody, but I, I just this is more of a statement of whoa. You know, then, oh, you know, like, hey, you finally got a quarterback and it's Alex Hornibrook. I could be wrong, Florida State fan. I hope for your sake I am. But I'm telling you, I've seen way too much Wisconsin football. They could do everything but throw the football with him. And finally, the uh, Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, of course. We talked to Matt Baker about that race uh, last week. It was run in St. Pete. Gorgeous day, by the way, to do it. Um, And uh, once again, and this shouldn't surprise anybody if you follow uh, very much of uh, the IndyCar racing, especially around here. Um, Team Penske uh, takes it again. Um, this time it was Joseph uh, Newgarden who uh, who took the checkered flag. Uh, and, of course, uh, the runner-up was Scott Dixon and, and teammate Will Power, who wins almost everything. Yeah, Penske's so now those... won nine of the last 14 events 
Yeah, just dominant. Just yeah. dominant. Newgarden led 59 of the final 60 laps of this race. So, so that was a pretty dominant performance by him. Sebastian uh, Bourdais, his, uh, his day ended early with uh, mechanical problems. He blew an engine, I, I believe, the defending champion. So it was, uh, yeah, but again, you know, the most impressive thing, and Matt wrote about this, was they estimated 140,000 people for the uh, weekend, on the race yeah. weekend. Yeah. Just incredible. Uh, the way this this area supports, and I think it helps too that it's it you know, for years it was the same week as the Valspar, and and people would go back and forth to both, of course, mm-hmm. but um, but they they really lucked out in terms of the weather was perfect and um, the crowds were huge and and now they got to find a way to take all those barricades and everything out of St. Petersburg <laughs> and get it out of there because I that's the thing it takes them weeks and weeks to put it up with all the chain link fencing and the barricades mm-hmm. and everything and then and then it's like okay well the race is gone. I, we got to take all this stuff out of here, like like now, like right away. So, for those of you who navigate St. Petersburg, your roads will be coming back to you here in a second. So, yeah, that was busy weekend, man. A lot going on. Of course, next week is the uh, the conference tournaments. March Madness is almost upon us, so we have that to look yeah, forward USF, to. Yeah, uh, USF failed to get their twentieth victory in the regular season, but they can achieve oh, that in the conference tournament this week. Yeah, it looks like they're going to be the eighth seed. And they um, they did they didn't play a good game. They sh- you know SMU is not a great team, and I think that, I think I saw where they were like six for I don't know twenty five or thirty or something for three point land, um, and just just didn't play well. You mm-hmm. know it was unfortunate. The twenty wins would have been a nice round number to get before you get to the conference tournament. But uh, well, the key is to play, get that believe... before you get to selection Sunday, and whether they yes. go you know whether they go to the NCAA, which I think is doubtful, but the NIT in that you want the more wins there you, you get go. the better. 20 looks good, and I think they're going to play UConn, I think, in the first round of the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. So still uh, some basketball opportunities for them, and it's it's been a great year, even though they didn't win their 20th. But um, I know they were disappointed with that and had a pretty good crowd over there to boot. So I uh, hope you keep it right here. And remember, now, if you have a business and you'd like to advertise with us, uh, our sponsors, again, have seen uh, terrific results, and that's why we have um, so many of the, of the same sponsors have been with us for a while now. Uh, and so we'd love for you to join it. There's lots of different ways you can be a sponsor, lots of different prices and things like that. To get more information, contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. So for Steve Verstink, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.